This is Equipping Eve, the podcast that seeks to equip women with fruits of truth from God's Word. In his second letter to the Corinthians, the Apostle Paul wrote, But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. A sincere and pure devotion to Christ begins by being grounded in his word. So let's open our Bibles, ladies, and prepare to feast on the truth God has given us. Well, hello, ladies, and welcome to Equipping Eve. I'm your host, Erin Benziger, and you know the drill, Facebook, Twitter, equippingeve.com. That's where you can find everything. So the website, I have updated a few things uh, recently, the last month or so-ish, um, added some things, revised some things, removed some things. So go ahead and visit and take a look. Um, hopefully you'll find some resources that are helpful to you there. And just a reminder before we get started today, shameless plug, uh, the Answers for Women conference. This is uh, Answers in Genesis. They do this every year. It is a ladies-only conference, and it is happening in March of 2020. And ladies, like March is almost here. I mean, it's crazy, but March is coming quickly, so if you want to go, you should get your tickets and register. You know, I sat down to think about what to cover today, what were we going to talk about, and there, there is a lot going on in evangelicalism right now. Now, maybe you aren't on social media, and so you don't quite know what I'm talking about, lucky you. Um, daily, I consider leaving social media so that I can be blissfully ignorant of people's ignorance. Um, and you know, it be it would be really easy to take those quote unquote current events that are really only current events in a very small segment of society, and dwell on that. And uh, I considered it and decided not to, as much as I used to enjoy going with the trends and the hot topics. Um, I think there's there is something of infinite value that we can dwell on, and that is God's word and some of the truths contained in that. And so I stopped to ponder what has God been showing me recently. That's usually where these shows come from is uh, what's going on in my life, what am I studying, what is applicable to me, and then I bring that to you. Um, because I venture to say I'm not the only one thinking on these things. And I have been thinking a lot lately, ladies, a lot lately, ladies, about fruit. And that's not just because it's apple pie season, although apple pie is the best pie. Um, For Thanksgiving, I will be having pumpkin, but there's another apple pie in my future. Uh, If you want a slice, you have to come over. Um, But that is not why I've been thinking about fruit. I've been thinking about it because it is such an important element of the Christian life. And uh, there's, I think, some misunderstanding in some Christian circles of what fruit really is. You know, we do not produce fruit so we can get saved. Um, We don't produce fruit so that we can stay saved or stay in God's good graces, but we produce fruit because we are saved. And that's what we need to look at today because that's what my notes are on. So that's why we need to look at it. But that's what I want to look at today. So truth be told, we all have good fruit and bad fruit, don't we? I mean, let's be honest. Um, None of us are perfect. Even when we were, you know, perfect little children, we were not perfect. Um, 
And as adults, we certainly continue to be not perfect. Can I get an amen? Because I'm feeling a little alone here as I just talk to myself. Uh, anyway, the, the good fruit that we have is evidence of the Holy Spirit working in us. And the bad fruit is evidence of the reality that we're living Romans 7 lives. You know, doing what we don't want to do and not doing what we do want to do. And uh, I don't know about you, but I take a lot of comfort in those those verses from Paul because he was Paul uh, and he still struggled against the flesh. You know, we will not be perfect until we're glorified and that doesn't happen until we die. So, you know, hopefully uh, we all have a long ways to go on that. But at the end of the day, and I'm speaking here to those of you who are Christians, at the end of the day, we should all be bearing fruit in accordance with the scriptures, right? Fruit in our lives. And so what does that mean? What does that look like? Where are we going here with all this fruity talk? Turn with me, ladies, to John 15. And one of my favorite passages, um, I love the I am statements of Christ. And um, I think I've said in the past that his statement that I am the good shepherd is my favorite. I just love that picture of Jesus as the good shepherd. It brings me so much comfort. But as I studied this particular passage for the show and for other reasons as well, uh, I just, I came to love it even more than I have in the past. And so John 15, ladies, verse one, I'm reading from the ESV today. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. I feel like Jesus is telling us something about abiding in there. I don't know about you, but I noticed that word repeated over and over and over again. And, and perhaps you saw some elements even of some things that we were just touching on there. As a side note, ladies, I was driving through town the other day and I saw a church sign. It said, he is divine, D-I-V-I-N-E. And we are de branches. Ha ha. Wah wah. Okay. Church signs are always entertaining. But it's true. He is divine. And he is the vine. And we are the branches. And we know it's true because he says so. It's right here. John 15 verse 5. I am the vine. You are the branches. So as I look at this passage and I, as I simplify it down to its most basic elements, I would say that we can see two very clear 
teachings in this passage, and that is that we are to abide in Christ and we are to bear fruit. If we aren't abiding in him, we cannot bear fruit. And if we are abiding in him, we will bear fruit. You see the distinction there? So how is it that we abide in Christ? What is he even talking about here? And I don't know if you can hear the wind outside. So if you're hearing something weird, ladies, that's because it is extremely windy here and the wind is blowing things off of my house. Um, quite literally, actually. <laughs> so um, if you hear funny noises in the background, that's the wind. That is um, Mother Nature. Uh, that is God displaying his power through the wind. And um, it's quite powerful today. So that's what that is. Anyway, so what what is this abiding? You know, what does that mean? How do we do this? How do we abide in Christ? Well, think about it. If we consider that at the moment of salvation, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. So that's accurate, right? Right. Okay. I'm going to assume you're nodding your heads along with me. So the Holy Spirit, he seals us as a guarantee of our eternal inheritance, but he is also a helper who is God, right? The third person of the Trinity. And so we can rightly conclude that by the enabling power of the Holy Spirit, we abide in Christ. He keeps us in Christ. We're secure with that seal of the Holy Spirit. We're secure in Christ. We know we belong to him. And that's why even though we have that Romans 7 struggle against the flesh, we still belong to Christ. You know, and so at the end of the day, even, you know, when we have sinned, even sinned grievously, we know that we are secure in Christ. We know that we belong to him, that it has not affected our standing before God, and that we are still justified before God because we are in Christ covered with his righteousness. Now, having said that, I also want to clarify that does not mean that we should sin, that this grace of God may abound. Uh, you know, well, I'm sealed in Christ, so I'm going to go do whatever I want to do. That's so ridiculous, and I still don't understand that mindset, but there are people out there like that. There were people like that in Paul's day. That's why he said, may it never be. We're going to sin, and sometimes we will sin big time. We are still in Christ. It does not affect your standing before Christ. However, as Christians, our desire is toward the things of God. And so we don't desire to sin. We are grieved by our sin. When we sin, we hate it. We repent, not to get re-saved, but to restore that relationship with God. Because there is there's a schism there when we're sinning and we need to get that repaired. And that happens by coming to the Lord repentantly and humbly and asking forgiveness. Uh, yes, all of our sins are forgiven at the cross, but it's more for our sake that we come to him and acknowledge our sin and say, you know, help me, <laughs> grow me, change me, um, because we are continually being sanctified. So want to make that very clear. Don't take anything out of context. Don't be sending sound bites everywhere where I said that we should sin, that grace may abound. But because we have the Holy Spirit, if we have been saved, we have the Holy Spirit. And so we are kept in Christ by the Holy Spirit. So here we are, we are abiding and we cannot produce genuine fruit on our own. 
we have to be in Christ. You can do a lot of good things. You can be a good person. Your kid can be, you know, good little boy, good little girl, but you are not able to produce true fruit evident of salvation apart from Christ. Not possible, can't happen. At the same time, we're commanded to produce fruit. So what do we do with all this? If we are in Christ, we must bear fruit. And if we are in Christ, we will bear fruit. So I realize I have just spoken in a circle, but hopefully talking it out kind of helps us see how that works. And Jesus says all of this right here in this passage that we read, you know, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you know, if you abide in my love, you will keep my commandments, just as I have kept my father's commandments. So, you know, if if you abide in me, this is going to happen. It's if then statements. There's natural consequences of being in Christ, of being saved, of being a Christian, etc. But there's so much more to this passage even than just those two commands, if you will, those two elements of abiding and bearing fruit. There's so much more in here, and um, I would love to touch on all of it today. Um, but for the sake of time, we're going to move on. But I want you to see something very important in the first verse, and I'm not going to dwell on this, but I am the true vine, Jesus says, and my father is the vine dresser. The father is taking care of the vine and its branches. So that is speaking again, ladies, to the fact that we aren't bearing fruit on our own. We have the Holy Spirit indwelling us, enabling us, empowering us. That is the power of God. And so that is what has transformed us. That is what conforms our mind to Christ as opposed to the world. That is what gives us those new desires, new hearts, new minds, so that we desire the things of God and we desire to look like Christ and to glorify God in our minds, our thoughts, and our actions and our words, right? So I just wanted to point that out. So beyond this particular passage, we could go to a number of passages to describe this fruit that we're supposed to bear. So, okay, so we're supposed to be producing fruit, producing evidence of our salvation. And we don't produce that to even necessarily prove to ourselves or to others that we are saved. We produce it to glorify God. Our good works glorify God because it's him at work in us doing the good works. Do you see how that works? It's just, sometimes you have to talk those things out, but it's like, oh yeah, of course, that makes sense. And so our good works glorify God because it's him in us doing those good works and empowering us to do it, empowering us who are sinners to do those good works. Think of the Apostle Paul. He was a blasphemer. He persecuted Christians. He killed them, you know, and yet Christ saved him. And look at his list of fruit. You know, he was a very fruitful Christian and all of that glorified God because look what God did with the person of Saul of Tarsus, now the Apostle Paul. That's all God. Saul of Tarsus could never have done that on his own. And so that's how God is glorified. So we could go to many, many passages to describe this fruit um, that may not reference the word fruit, but would still describe this life of holiness. But for the sake of simplicity and theme, I'm going to stick with the fruit, the fruitiness of the day, and have you turn to another familiar passage, ladies, and that's Galatians 5. 
verse 22, you know exactly where I'm going. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, we won't have time to go through all of these individually, um, but I do want to point out a few things. A side note, um, and I'm making a note right now, actually, to link this for you. Truth for Life, if you go to truthforlife.org, um, that's the ministry of Alistair Begg. So he has walked through, I think it was a few years ago, back in 2016, this passage and the fruit of the Spirit. Notice it is fruit, one fruit, not fruits, plural. This is describing one fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And um, Pastor Begg walks through each one of these in a separate sermon, and um, they're very good. So highly recommend those if you would like to dig down into each one of these uh, elements of the fruit of the Spirit a little bit further. But for today, let's just point out a few things. This should be obvious, um, but sometimes you step back and you look at Christendom and you wonder if they really are that obvious. So first of all, like I said, note that these are not separate fruits. It's not like, well, I, I'm not a very joyful person. I'm pretty pessimistic, so I'm going to skip that one. But, you know, I'm pretty patient, so I can go along with that. I'm a pretty nice person. Uh, you know, um, self-control, I can get kind of angry, so maybe I'll skip that one. I don't know. No, no. No, these, uh, this is a package. Uh, you know, it's not like, you know, the, the Carmen Miranda is wearing a hat of love, joy, peace, you know, and everything is separate. Like, this is one fruit. And that's really important for us to realize that we don't pick and choose and say, well, you know, I'm not displaying all of the fruit of the Spirit, but I'm displaying most of them, so it's okay. And that's not how this works. Again, you don't do this to get saved. You don't do this to keep yourself saved. But if we have been saved, we should want this to describe us. I don't know about you, but I would love for other people to describe me as a loving, joy, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, and faithful, gentle, and self-controlled person. That would be amazing if someone would say, yes, these things describe Aaron. And so ladies, shouldn't that describe all of us as Christians? It's in the Bible. So I'm thinking it should. And so often it feels like it does not. And so the second thing that I was kind of thinking about in light of this, and I feel like it shouldn't have to be said, but I'm going to say it anyway, because sometimes I, even though it shouldn't have to be said, things do have to be said. And that is that these are applicable to all Christians, regardless of gender. Um, sometimes some of these are pulled out, you know, gentleness and, you know, I, I don't know. I recently heard several of these used as um, characteristics of women and they were um, a detriment to women uh, in the context in which I heard it. And I didn't understand how the fruit elements of the fruit of the spirit could be seen as detrimental. Um, and, and, also be seen as applying only to women because now as many of you know I am not married but those of you who are or who are looking to get married you probably don't want to look for a man who does not display these because he would be a rather unpleasant person to be around and um, 
probably not someone you want in your life, I would think. Not someone I would want in my life. And so these apply to men and to women because they are fruit of the spirit. And the spirit, what do we say, indwells us at the moment of salvation. So if the spirit is living in us, we will produce this fruit. And thirdly, what I was thinking about in light of this verse, these verses, um, and again, something else that should be obvious, these are gifts of the Spirit. They are given us by God. This is fruit we produce when we abide in him. Abide in me. Bear fruit. We cannot produce fruit without him. And this is some of the fruit we should display. Now think about it, ladies. Of course, we would love for this to be a perfect descriptor of ourselves. And I don't know about you, but I look at this list and I see some things that, you know, I probably need to ask God to work on a little bit more. And, um, but I look at this list and I look at myself now versus before Christ saved me. And I see such a difference and I see an encouragement and I see evidence of the fruit that he has produced in my life. And I'm so thankful. And I hope you can do the same thing. And when we look at this list and we wonder who could possibly perfectly fulfill this, what do we realize? We realize that is Jesus Christ. He is the perfect example of a perfect display of this fruit of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I think that's so key. We love uh, in controversial times to focus on things that Jesus did like, well, he turned the tables over in the temple, the money changers, you know, he had the whip and everything. Like Jesus was, you know, bringing it. Well, he was righteously angry and reacted in a perfectly righteous way because he was Jesus. But that was kind of a certain special case, right? It doesn't mean that we don't have reasons to be justifiably righteously angry over certain things. We certainly do. Uh, One of the big hot topics today, which I said I wasn't going to touch on, but you know, is abuse in the church. And I think we absolutely should be righteously angry about that. I am. Um, And I think that would go for everything from physical and mental abuse to spiritual abuse. And um, I am not familiar with all of those elements, but I, I am familiar with some. And so Yes, we should be righteously angry about things like that. And and there are other examples as well. Um, But we so often when we're speaking about hot topics or controversial topics, we seem to forget that Jesus, the nature of his ministry was not running around with the whip turning the tables over. Okay, that happened twice. Jesus was loving, joyful, peaceful patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, and he was self-controlled. And I think we forget that in our zeal. And I think we forget that we are supposed to be that way also. And I think we forget that when we are that way is when we most reflect Christ to the world. 
The world has enough anger. The world has enough snark. The world doesn't see very much joy or peace or gentleness or self-control anymore, does it? We're all doing whatever is right in our own eyes. We're like living in the times of the judges here again. And so when we put that on display, we're displaying Christ. That's the whole point of this fruit thing, right? To look like Christ. And the fragrance of Christ will be offensive to some. And it will be a fragrance of life to others. But we should be mindful that the fruit that we bear has the true fragrance of Christ. And so I think it's important for us to consider if this fruit, as described here in Galatians 5, is on display in all areas of our lives, not just with our families, not just at our churches, where it's really easy to put on a show sometimes for just a few times a week, but also at work, at school, online, on Twitter, on Facebook, It's important for us to consider that and think about that. And as always, ladies, I speak to myself as much as I speak to you. So think on these things today and until next time. And until then, ladies, get in your Bibles, get on your knees, and get equipped. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.